Welcome to the next generation of energy with Rosewater Energy Group. Traditionally, power availability has been the overriding objective for home automation. But 21st century advances have shifted this paradigm. It's no longer a question of power availability. The real question is, how good is your power? Our podcast explores the shifting paradigm to educate our listeners on the importance of power quality, the foundation upon which premium home automation is built. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next generation of Energy, a podcast from the experts at Rosewater Energy. I'm Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today, we're diving into discussing moving from the old paradigm for power in residential and commercial applications to a new one and why this is such a crucial priority and how that's occurring. And we're going to take a look at a couple of specific examples. And joining me, as always, for the next generation of energy is Joe Piccarelli, the founder and CEO of Rosewater Energy. Joe, great to talk to you again, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's really, uh, it's nice that spring has sprung. It's really nice to talk to you to do another podcast, Tyler. I hope you're doing well. Well, thank you, sir. I, I am doing great. It's always wonderful to talk to you on, on days like this, and uh, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today uh, because we're also welcoming to the program Chris Walsh, the Director of Global Sales and Marketing at PowerVar. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you having me today. Well, we are thrilled to have you on, Chris, and, and I know that uh, that you provide maybe a different perspective than, than what we've typically looked at here on the podcast so far, looking more at the commercial side. And so uh, just to get us kicked off uh, today, Chris, just introduce us uh, to PowerVar and the work that you're doing there. It's pretty interesting. Most people have probably never heard of PowerVar, even though our company will sell over $120 million globally this year. You know, And the reason for this fact is because PowerVar sells our power quality solutions to OEMs, you know, original equipment manufacturers in the retail technology, industrial, or medical industries. You know, we don't typically sell to end users, but PowerVar ensures that the OEM's instruments or equipment works as it was designed to work. You know, without the proper power quality protection, their equipment is vulnerable to power loss or to power viruses. Yeah, I, I just figured I would give you guys our value statement because it may help you understand exactly who PowerVar is. You know, there are many variables that can determine the success or failure of an organization, a customer site, or an OEM system. You know, we at PowerVar know power is one of those variables. PowerVar specializes in educating our OEM partners on how to implement power quality strategies as a competitive advantage in the marketplace. You know, we strive on keeping businesses in business. Um, you know, the power company can only provide power. They do not ensure that you have clean power within your facility. You know, education is key. And, you know, we know we have to educate the customers on all the different power viruses and which is the best solution for the customer. Last thing you should know about PowerVar is that our products are custom solutions. We have over 10,000 parts in our Oracle ERP system. I have power conditioners ranging from a five amp power conditioner, which is designed to protect a point of sale kitchen printer, which you might find in a Chick-fil-A or a Starbucks, up to a 100 kVA unit, which is designed to protect a $25 million test system designed to check the production quality of semiconductors. So PowerVar has global offices across the globe, and we are built to design protection for the customer. 
So, Joe, a lot of uh, what you just heard from Chris uh, really lines up with a lot of things we've talked about on the podcast so far, just when it comes to power quality and things of that nature. Yes. And, it, you know, like many things, many things begin and trends begin in the commercial community. It is businesses who typically are at the forefront of understanding what problems can be created. And in, in this case, Chris used a phrase that I wrote down, Chris, and I... I'm promising you I'm stealing this phrase. It is called <laughs> power viruses. I think that is brilliant. <laughs> and it, it is interesting. You know, you, you mentioned some of the clients, uh, Chick-fil-A, a Starbucks. I mean, brands and stores we've all heard of or have been in. Can you describe the effect for us of power viruses? I want my audience to understand that the things that I have talked about over many years at Rosewater are things that you guys at Powervar have seen well before it became evident in the in the residential world. And now because of automation and everything we're doing in the residential world, it is becoming more and more obvious in the residential world. Can you describe some of those power viruses and their effects? Yeah. And what's interesting is when you take a look at uh, the diverse group of uh, customers that we sell to, whether it's you know, in the retail technology or especially in the medical phase, they all worry about power viruses. And some of these power viruses that we protect are high voltage surges, uh, common mode voltage, electrical noise, voltage swells or sags, power outages, which is the only one of these that you can actually see. Um, you know, you can see uh, AC frequency, ground loops. So, at Powervar, we, we tend to look at an iceberg when we talk to our customers. And the top of the iceberg, the only part that is exposed is power outages. But the majority of power viruses fall below, and they can be just as damaging to a OEM's equipment or instrument, which can really cause havoc to their customers. I think that's great. The One of the things that... I have noticed, and I, do, I don't know if it is as common in your clients, in the residential world, when we see a power surge or a power sag, a lot of times it will be lights dimming for a quick moment or lights getting a little brighter because the voltage has spiked up a bit. Does that happen? Do you see those same things where you see some of the equipment that's being installed or the lighting in the facility change the amount of brightness? Is that something your clients see? Because it is something I point out to my clients because so many of them have seen it in their houses. Uh, we do. And what's interesting is we one of our biggest vertical markets that we sell in on the commercial side is the clinical diagnostic instruments. And these... Uh, sophisticated instruments would test for COVID and they may be as large as a size of a room and they generate their own dynamic loads. So they have chillers, they have motors, pumps, and this causes the same type of sags that you're talking about because the inrush of a pump or chiller may cause this another part of the uh, instrument to not perform protect, uh, correct. So we make sure that we install the correct power uh, quality solutions across the whole instrument so that it's protected. So the, the 
comparable in a residential application would be HVAC turning on and the inrush current of a, a large air conditioning system as it turns on. Same is true of some uh, electrical heating as those as the coils start to demand power, we'll get a sag in the rest of the house. Is that uh, comparable? That is exactly accurate. And I mean, another example you would find with some of our application is a MRI CAT scan. We provide solutions to ensure when those large inrushes occur, that it does not affect the instrument doing the diagnostic of the patient. Walk me through this. If I'm in a Starbucks, a Chick-fil-A, worse, if I'm in a hospital, and one of these power viruses occur, what are the consequences that your clients see? Well, we'll keep it very simple, and we'll just look at a retail facility. So, and usually I'm focusing mostly on the hospitality side. So if you go to, let's say you're walking into a Chick-fil-A and you're trying to place your order, you may see a system lockup. And, you know, the uh, person at the cash register may have to say, you know, it's not really working right now. Let's move you over to this cash register. It may get to the point of the person in the back who uh, is cooking the food they may see on their screen a glitch and your order may not go through directly to them. I guess the biggest concern is the point of sale system. These are basically computers that run the facility. They do inventory, they do payroll. That little computer runs all the terminals and is the lifeblood of the facility. If there's a power glitch, if there's a surge and something locks up or even worse crashes that would cause this the facility to lose revenue and not be able to provide to their customers and they would have unhappy customer satisfaction i know i've had this happen while i've been in facilities like that and if all of the systems go down the reboot time is not measured in seconds the reboot time can be minutes to many many minutes and to your point revenue then is is revenue loss is serious at that point. Correct, and let me give you another example. We sell power quality solutions to high-end microscopes, and these microscopes may cost anywhere from a half a million to $700,000. And what's critical about protecting these type of applications is if there's a system lockup, not only could it cost $25,000 for a new board, it would take two to three days for that system to get recalibrated. And especially when you start talking about some of my medical applications, you may have to get the FDA involved and it takes days with the system being down. Wow. Anything with the word federal, days is a short amount of time in my <laughs> experience. <laughs> that so, is accurate. <laughs> interesting, because you know I look at it uh, from, again, the residential perspective, and as we automate homes and you see p- people with automated locks, automated lighting, shade control, environmental control, all of these new control systems in houses. And when those things get a glitch, you can't turn on your lights. When those things glitch, your ability to control the environment disappears. And and in many times, even in a residential application, the reboot time could be minutes to hours. And in some cases, and I don't know if you find this, but in some cases in residential applications, if we get a quick, big spike or equally as bad, a terrible sag, and I've measured sags in my own homes that go down to 40 volts, 
the microprocessor breaks. I mean, it stops functioning. Yes, we see those same type of issues with our customers. And what's even more alarming is the cost of having to send someone out to the site to try to fix it. And one of the most frustrating issues that my customers experience is the no trouble found call. The customer is sent to the site and it's just a simple reboot, yet you're spending a lot of time and money sending people trying to fix a problem that was just a quick glitch. Yep. Hmm. I am also noticing, and I'm curious because this this would be where it's kind of a crossover between our businesses. I am noticing that doctor's offices, lawyers, family financial planning offices, dentists, you know, it used to be you'd go in and they were taking notes physically with pen and paper. And now everybody's using an iPad and everything is stored digitally. And it seems the consequences in those light commercial applications are becoming greater and greater. Because to your point, if I'm in a doctor's office and my system goes down and I have patients, you know, and, and in these, these days, doctors like to see a patient every two minutes. So we're finding more and more call for power quality in those kinds of environments. Do you see the same thing? We do. And what's interesting is one of the applications we sell into is uh, they call them cows or wows, computers on wheels or workstations on wheels. And that is when you walk into a hospital, you'll see the uh, nurse, the, the PA or the doc rolling around the carts where they can basically input the uh, patient's data and then they are able to extract it and save it on server and then they're able to view the information with the different doctors throughout the facility. Powervar specializes in this. We build a whole fleet, work with a lot of the major OEMs to ensure the different battery chemistries on the carts are supported and can support a eight to 10 hour workday. So we do see that. And what is even more interesting is one of the changes I see in the medical industry is they're actually starting to move the instruments to the patients as well. So we're seeing a big move for um, the instruments to be mobile, which again can cause its own power quality concerns to make sure A, it's powered, but B, that it has the right power and because you're near a patient vicinity. Well, you know, as we began this conversation, we were talking about how things start in the commercial world and migrate to residential, which seems to be true in this case. And one of the problems we at Rosewater have in the residential community is really how do we make customers aware that these problems exist? Early on, people are not conditioned to blame utilities. They expect that the utility is always right. And, you know, the power from the utility is always perfect. Just ask them. And so for us, the educational process has been arduous and had to be targeted virtually a client at a time. How did you find it? Uh, that's exactly true. I, one of our biggest hurdles, and, you know, I say this to my management team, is my biggest competitor is the customer doing nothing. That they believe that they have clean, perfect power because that's what the power company will provide. And it really takes a long effort to educate the individual that what the power they're having coming out is not clean and that they need power protection. I mean, because to your point, you can't see power. So everyone assumes that it's clean, there are no viruses. So 
educating them on the power of viruses and what can really affect their equipment takes time and a lot of effort. It's really interesting. And I don't know if there is a credibility gap in the uh, commercial world like there is in the residential world. But it seems because, as we both said, you can't see power. A lot of times clients think you're actually trying to pull the wool over their eyes, like you're creating a problem that doesn't exist. And you know, it is building credibility based on, okay, we have all of these units in the field, we monitor power in the field, here are the reports, but it's a real fight. Uh, you know, the consumers have become very skeptical of something they can't see. Does that exist in the commercial world as well, where there's skeptics involved? There are skeptics, and especially a lot of the people we're talking to are engineers who have designed this product and feel that you know they have developed the best product out there. And to question their design, say, no, you need to let us help remove power as a variable. Let us make sure that your instrument works as it's designed, and we'll make sure you have clean power all of the time. Does take a lot of effort on our point. And you know, trying to explain each power anomaly that can affect their instrument. You know, Chris, early on, we, we mentioned brands like um, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks as examples of people who have noticed that this is something to, to take into account, right? And you mentioned that they can, it can even be a, a differentiator, a market advantage uh, to have higher power quality, right? And so do you think that there's some level in which uh, we live in a copycat world and Chick-fil-A and Starbucks are obviously two brands that plenty of other businesses would want to emulate in a lot of ways and, and that that may be being part of the catalyst in the commercial world? Sure. And let me give you an example. We, we do a lot of work with 3D uh, dental imaging companies. And, you know, over time, working with a lot of the major OEMs, first, we had to explain the advantages of our system. We gave an education of why we can help reduce their service instances. And over time, we worked with the largest OEM in the 3D imaging industry in the dental side and showed them that they were able to get an advantage of longer warranty of their equipment. So what they were able to do was they said, listen, you get a one-year warranty with our, you know, with our piece of instrument, or if you bundle a power of our power conditioner, we will give you a five-year warranty. So what that really did was moved about 99% of their business to be bundled with a power of our power conditioner. And then it caused a lot of the competitors in the market to call power of our and ask for that power conditioner so that they were able to match the warranty of that system. Oh, wow. That was a good piece of education, Chris. You were able, <laughs> so OEMs were able to take advantage by extending their warranties by using the power of our. That's pretty cool. Yes. And it, it's very interesting. And again, it's, you have to, it takes time and effort. You work with the customer and you show them the value that you're bringing. And that's really what my team tries to do is help the customer and provide the best power quality solution for their needs, which again, it's not one size fit all. So it's really understanding and being that power quality expert. Interesting. So it really is when we, when we first talked about doing this podcast together, you know, and my thought was, okay, I'm going to learn really the origins because the origins of these kinds of solutions always start in the, seem to always start in the commercial world. And it looks like we are right on point. It is interesting that the parallels exist and 
uh, we, you and I were talking uh, before we went on air, we were talking about, you know, is power quality going to get better? And I am of the belief that we are not going to see significant power quality improvements for a long time for, you know, it's hard to build new power plants, adding more and more renewables creates more intermittency. Of course, we have the issue that we have a lot of people talking about fixing the infrastructure, but nobody seems to have the will to actually do something about fixing the inter- infrastructure. Uh, do you see that same thing? Yes, I definitely see that same thing in the industry. Again, having power is uh, just one aspect of it. It's got, we need to make sure it's the clean power. So I do not see clean power being available anytime soon. And actually what I see is a bigger demand for our equipment because there is a need more and more as technology expands that they're going to need power to support their infrastructure. Okay, so now I'm going to put Tyler on the spot because, Uh-oh. Tyler, as you know, if you leave Chris and I talking, <laughs> we will go very deep in the weeds and half our audience will fall asleep because we'll start using jargon that nobody understands unless they live in our business. Mm-hmm. So based on what you've heard, what do you think, Tyler? Well, uh, so the, the warranty aspect of things was was particularly interesting to me just from a from a business perspective of understanding and really driving home as a, as a really good example and a lesson of just the impact of power quality on the performance of different equipment over time. And I think that that really helped drive it home for me as someone who's who's not an expert in, in energy and in power the way that, that you two guys are hearing that anyways, just really, really seemed to, to drive home to me the impact of power quality. And, and like I said, it's something that we've talked about on the podcast before, but when you hear about it in a commercial sense like that and start to put you know, true value and dollars and cents to it in that particular way in in the commercial setting. To me, that really helped kind of drive home the importance of this in, in a way, in a way that I had never really considered before. And and so I think that that is is particularly interesting. And I wonder just maybe the the time frame that you see for people's attitudes and for trends to start moving more and more in this direction and and maybe see wider adoption of at least an understanding and um and an attitude towards uh, taking power quality more into account on a regular basis i'm 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 just spitballing here just about time frame and and wondering what you guys think about that you know we've spent a year in lockdown thanks to the pandemic and we have noticed at Rosewater a significant uptick in people's consciousness of power quality because they are spending so much time in their homes. And Chris and I were talking about lockups and, and what power quality can do. Look at what goes on in a Zoom meeting and you get a power glitch. And now more and more people are noticing that. For, so from our standpoint, there is an increase in awareness because there is so much time now spent in electronic meetings. Now, a power glitch, unless your power goes off in a, uh, for lack of better phraseology, an analog face-to-face meeting, you don't see the consequence except that the room may go dark. And, and that's a severe power outage. It's not a power virus. Whereas in an electronic meeting, we're start, people start to see the effects of the phrase I love, power viruses. How does that manifest? Is that some, is something comparable going on in the commercial world, Chris, or has it just been a, a slow build in the consequence of 
you know, you have, I hate to call it an advantage, but it is one. Power viruses are actually monetized in the commercial world. They cost people money. Yeah, and I think that's the big difference between the commercial and the residential. Obviously, no one wants to just spend money on power quality solutions, so you really need to show the value. They're, they're aware of it, and they're trying to find the right solutions uh, to protect their instruments. And it, it's just, I think, as the consumers take a look at just use a you know retail fast food chain, they see the technology changing. They see the menu boards, they see the kiosks, they see the bags with the printers, they see a manless experience. So they are starting to understand that technology needs power and clean power. You know, uh, one of the things that, that I, I've been thinking about recently is I think that I live in the state of Texas where we had a, a bad winter storm a few weeks ago, something that us Texans are not particularly used to. Uh, Chris, you in, uh, in Illinois, obviously, uh, uh, much more accustomed to that sort of thing than, than we were here in Texas. But I think that there's more of a willingness amongst Texans anyways to have conversations about power um, and, and about these types of, of issues than maybe there was at the beginning of February, you know, before this whole thing came around and this whole thing happened here. And uh, I even read an article in the New York Times recently that, uh, that you know, rechargeable batteries and finding ways to, to have, you know, alternate sources of power has become a... Um, a sought-after amenity in high-rise uh, apartment buildings and, and things like that. It, it seems to me that that there are there are stories out there, and there is more of a willingness to have a dialogue around some of these topics than maybe there has been in, in the past. Is that something that that you've seen as well? Yes, I mean, especially with everything that happened, especially in Texas. You know what this does is this gives us the opportunity to begin conversations again with our um, you know OEMs because you can realize how operations can come to a halt without having power or the right power. And, you know, that's really understanding the customer's needs. You know, I've, I've had friends who live down in Texas who probably experienced the same uh, issues you did without power for a couple of days. And of course, they view me as a power guru. So they would give me a call asking, you know, maybe I should get a generator to back up my house because of the inconvenience. And then that's really when you explain Yes, you can get a generator. However, you know, you're not going to put all of your um, loads on the generator. You, you'd, you'd only put your critical loads and what would be important needed if you had a power quality. So ha having storms like that definitely helps the conversation of, hey, power is important and do we have the right power quality solution? You bring up an interesting point with generators, Chris, because lots of people immediately go to, you know, a generator will give me power for a long time but people don't seem to realize and i don't know if, how much it plays in the commercial world but in the residential world a generator creates more problems than it solves in many cases because it is constantly surging and sagging that is accurate especially with uh a lot of people a lot of applications may use uh, generators on the medical field and when that occurs first we would a need the generator takes time to kick in so you're gonna need that transfer time to make sure it's zero, but also at each critical load, you're gonna need a power conditioner. We're gonna bond neutral and ground at the point of the instrument for those exact reasons. You're gonna run into issues with a, it's not a smooth, clean supply of power from the generator. Yeah, a lot of times I will bill my products as a firewall for your against your generator because it is <laughs> exactly. It, 
it is really a problem and I, I i've even found it when people are just running test cycles in their generator and they're testing the transfer switch and something without fail pops in the house something goes bad so you know, it, it becomes a difficult conversation because people really don't understand it. And then I don't know if you ever get the questions, but I, I get lots of, well, I would like to back up my entire house with batteries. You know, it's a good size home and I, or, you know, it has an 800 amp surface. And I'm going, I, I don't think you really understand the concept of batteries because it's a fixed bucket of electrons. And when that bucket's empty, you got issues and for a house this size it's going to have to be not a bucket but a swimming pool it's going to have to be gigantic <laughs> and joe you, you're exactly right. i think what people don't realize with batteries is the maintenance that's involved yes my, pre my, my previous job i saw i built data centers and understood power and the sill lead acid and how you have to maintain those and it's a lot of work and as people talk about new battery chemistries out there where there's lithium ion, lithium phosphate, then more smart batteries. I mean, you've seen, you know, fires being caused by not being charged properly and the size that's needed and the cost. It's just, yeah, I, th we are far off from having the ability to have batteries back up. It, it is that distance that people don't understand. People go, oh, no, this will all be solved tomorrow. I'm going, yeah, if tomorrow's in 20 years, that'll work, you know, but not now. It, it is amazing that there's just huge misconceptions. And I, I, I don't know what creates them. I think, well, I do know some creative marketing by some people out there who want to go out and tell people that that can actually exist. I know we find lots of issues in the commercial world it's nice because a lot of them will turn to professionals to get it sized in the residential world. I find generators that are way undersized that really create problems. I find people who, you know, have batteries hooked up to a five kilowatt inverter that say, Oh no, these will back up my whole house. And I'm going, you understand that if you 50% derate a five kilowatt inverter, runs a 50 amp panel and your house has 600 amps <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what you're backing up but but it's weird yeah. there's a lot of education to be done you're exactly right and with all of our customers we go to their sites we test their equipment we do load profiles we make sure we have the right plugs receptacles that can support their needs it's a sophisticated solution it's not just one size fits all, here's the unit you need. And everything you're just talking about, making sure the unit's sized right and everything is key. So it feels like we've talked about um, where we've been in the past, where we are currently. Uh, let's take a look here as we kind of come towards the end of our conversation today, just about the future and what that looks like, and maybe the steps that we need to take to continue to educate people. Uh, you know, I, I think podcasts like this um, and conversations and dialogue like what we're having can serve to educate uh, a lot of people. What other steps need to be taken and, and who else needs to become aware of the importance of power quality in order for the future to look different than what the present looks like? On the commercial side, it's it's just continually educating the customers and trying to key applications, medical, uh, industrial, retail, explaining the different capabilities out there and understanding how their instruments are changing in the future. I take a look at, I just take an example like GE, working with them, 
they are working on product three years from now that's going to be completely different than the product they're selling to the market today. So it's really understanding what their needs are. I know there's a big push for some people trying to move to DC power. I don't see that being feasible for at least 20, 20, 20 odd years, but it, it's just continually working with them. And again, it sounds bad, but a lot of these um, on the commercial side, once they start experiencing the pain, they go look for solutions to solve the pain. I would agree with that. And we have a, another problem on the residential side in, in that there are a lot of people who pass themselves off as knowledgeable and they end up creating solutions for end users that don't work. So people get have a bad taste in their mouth for it. You know, oh, I was told I could run my whole house on batteries. Well, no, you can't. Uh, or I was told my electricity bill would go to zero, which it doesn't. Um, so it is. We have a, a twofold problem because in the on the residential side, power quality is a relatively new topic uh, compared to the commercial side. But it really is making sure that we have more and more professionals as putting out the not only putting out the power quality equipment, but being able to manage people's expectations and to specify the right equipment, the right solutions for a client's needs. This is, you know, you just don't walk into a store, buy a, a UPS that you set on your desktop and your powers or your your power problems are over. That's, that's not the case. And it is a much more sophisticated issue. And I believe in, in the residential community has to come up far earlier in the discussion. And Part of the things I really liked from Chris's presentation here is it sounds like power quality on the commercial side gets talked about up front, which is really good. Yeah, Joe, you're exactly right. One of the biggest hurdles we face, and I'm sure you experience this on the residential side because I see UPSs at you know Staples or for $79. A lot of OEMs may buy a UPS and think they're protected. You know, I have to competitors out there that may sell a billion dollars in UPS sales that are providing a offline or line interactive UPS and just providing the basic power need. And, you know, a lot of it may have, when it goes to battery backup, have a square wave supply. And then I go back into the customer and they say, well, I have a UPS. And then you have to explain the different types of UPS, the different types of solutions. It's not just a UPS or it might be 50 different solutions within a UPS field. So the future for us, Tyler, is really starting to get people to understand that this is not an off-the-shelf purchase. It is as virtually everything in a residence or a commercial application, you have to get the right solution for your needs. And there are a lot of solutions out there that purport to be good. And I'm so glad Chris mentioned that some of the UPSs you have out there produce square waves and just so our audience understands <clears throat> a sine wave does not have a 90 degree angle in any point <laughs> so it's supposed to be smooth build up and smooth takedown and i have measured some from competitors that will be remain unnamed that i've seen the sine waves look like boxes i've seen the sine waves look like sawtooths I've seen, it's just crazy what people pass off as clean power. It's just like, whoa, I would never do that. So it, it's, it's going to be a long but interesting road. And I see nothing but upside. So I'm, I'm very Agreed. optimistic.
Well, it's an exciting time to be talking about uh, this sort of thing, and it's an exciting time to be able to uh, to have these sorts of conversations. And so, as always, it's it's been a thrill. It's been a fantastic conversation. Uh, it could probably go on uh, two or three times longer than it already has. But for this particular episode of The Next Generation of Energy, it's time to put a bow on it. So Chris Walsh, Director of Global Sales and Marketing at PowerVar. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here today on the podcast and uh, sharing your insights and expertise. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. As always, Joe, thrilled to have you on the podcast uh, right here alongside me, moving this conversation along and sharing your expertise as well. So, Joe, thanks once again. Always my pleasure. And everyone, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Next Generation of Energy, a podcast from the experts at Rosewater Energy. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast, but until then, make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with the latest in thought leadership and expertise from the podcast from the experts at Rosewater. You can do that by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, hitting subscribe, and getting those latest episodes right there on your phone. If you haven't listened to some of the previous episodes, go back and check those out. We have a lot of amazing conversations with people who know a lot in the world of power, so check those out as well. And stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. But until then, for Joe Piccarelli, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you again soon.